0: If you're joining us online today, we'd like to just give you a big welcome. And uh, if you're ever in our area, do come and uh, visit us at church. We would love to have you here. Hey, church, a big hello to those who are joining us online. And this is part three of our three-part series. This is the final part of taking control of our lives. And as I've said... I've been preaching through this book by Pastor Andre. I know many of you brought that book when he was here, and I hope you're reading it and discovering things and allowing God to uh, uh, do some stuff in your heart. I'm not speaking exclusively from that book, but just using it as a tool. A lot of people in today's world live however they want, but I feel it's a very important day for us to take control of our lives. Can I hear a nice amen right there? Jack Welch said this. Contro- said, well, this is what he said. I'll just, <laughs> I'm will just i so excited. This is what he said. Yeah, I'm just going to take control of my life. So Jack Welch said, control your own destiny or someone or something else will. Someone or something else will. And I want us to understand, as we've said, it's actually a spiritual thing to take control of our Lives. It's not an unspiritual thing. In fact, in Galatians, and one of the, I guess, most spiritual passages in the Bible that talks about being led by the power of the Spirit, it says this in Galatians 5.22, speaking of the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. And a lot of people stop there because that sort of sounds like the spiritual one. But last but not least is self-control. Self-control, it's a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the Scripture is saying the ability to control self bears all the hallmarks of a Spirit-led life. And we've got to remember, control never starts outside our lives. It's always an inside job. So, in this three part series, we're going to be looking at one thing each week as we have uh, done. In week number one, we, we talked about give up the blame game. Yes. Tap your neighbor and say, stop blaming me. <laughs> we, we've got to give up the blame game. We're, we're, the second thing we, we talked about last week was become a zero victim by choice. Become, and these are all online, you can watch them, become a zero victim by choice. And thirdly, today, thirdly and finally, We're looking at learn the power of taking responsibility. Learn the power of taking responsibility. Poet Gary Snyder, he was sort of a hippie back in the uh, 60s, but a well-known poet. He said this, find your place on the planet. Dig in and take responsibility from there. Les Brown said this, accept responsibility for your life. Know that it is you who will get you where you want to go. No one else. Roy L. Smith said this, and I think it's true. It says, the ability to accept responsibility is the measure. Everybody say measure. It's the measure of a man. So how do you measure up? When it comes to the areas of taking responsibility, how do you measure up? What does it look like on the scale? It's important. How do we measure up when it comes to taking responsibility? Because I think this. No one, and I mean no one, can really be successful without being responsible. You, you can't. It, it's difficult. No one can uh, be successfully really without being responsible. What is being responsible? Being responsible means paying our bills. Amen. Come on, it's all quiet. It's all quiet here. Uh, it means going to work on time. It means sticking to your commitments. It means honoring your obligations. It basically means taking care of our whole lives. Think about this. We we can't pay somebody else to go to the gym for us. I'll just let that sink in right there. We, we can't pay somebody else to go to the gym, uh, gym for us. You can, but it's of no use. We can't pay somebody else to read or study for us or go to work for us. We, you, I, have a personal responsibility. And it's what the Scripture calls stewardship, which basically means the correct and wise management of something like possessions, money, Our body, our minds, our thoughts, stewarding all of those things. See, we can't and we shouldn't make excuses and avoid our responsibility. Here's the thing. Life has a way of finding us out when we do. Life has a way of catching up to us if we do. I heard a story of four university students. They were out partying hard, and uh, they were... Uh, they got out ended up staying up so late and they had a big exam the the next day and it was like a real pressure exam a real important exam that they had to do and so they're, they're out late and of course they realize they haven't studied we've got to man we have got to put this together the test is tomorrow we need to sort this out we need to come up with some type of excuse to get out of the uh, the test and so the next day they appeared before the dean that they uh, uh college and we're, we're like hey look uh, sorry we were out at a wedding uh, yesterday and it went went long but on the way home the tire on the car blew I mean it just blew and and we ended up and of course when they went in to meet the dean they scruffed themselves all up a bit and were looking a bit messy but when the tire blew we ended up having to push the car all the way back home so we are just not ready for this test we are just not ready and so the dean's like okay Okay, they're like, "Can we, could we take the test in a few days?" He's like, "Okay, you can take it. You've got three days, and you can reset the uh, uh, test there, but it'll be a, a special kind of test." They're like, "Okay," and because they knew they'll, they'll study for it, they'll go hard out, they'll get it, they'll get it done. And so, in three days, uh, they they turned up, and as uh, the dean had said, this is a special condition test, and so they were okay because they were ready. And so he put all the students, one student, in four separate rooms; they were all in separate. Rooms and he said, This uh, test uh, is basically made up of two uh, questions for a total of 100 points. Do you want to know what the questions were? Here they were. The first question was, What is your name for one point? Which tire burst for 99 <laughs> points? <laughs> Life's got a way of catching up on us when we don't take our responsibilities. I look at this and don't write me a letter, but just thinking with the whole free education thing that's coming up, not trying to be a political, but don't, don't write me a letter. But you can imagine these type of scenarios where people don't have to worry about these type of things. Listen, somebody said this, when government, George Pataki said this, when government accepts responsibility for people, the people no longer take responsibility for themselves. Oh, drop the mic, walk off, come on. And can I just say, as believers, we also can't substitute responsibility with prayer. Thank you, Grace. We we can't substitute responsibility with prayer. See, we, we shouldn't relinquish our responsibilities by handing them over to God saying, oh God, you take care of it. You do it. You make it happen, God. I mean, there, don't get me wrong, there is a... Time to hand things over to God when, when things are falling apart and you're like, man, I, I, I you know, situations that are way, way above and beyond. And th- There is a time to hand things over to God when, when stuff gets overwhelming. But it's not when it comes to your daily responsibilities to earn a living, to make a life for ourselves. That's not God's job. I'm sorry, please, don't write me it's not god's job it's our job good place to say amen and the preacher feeling nervous i mean it's just not god's responsibility to do that it's our responsibility you know we've seen a tremendous miracle out there with the with the land and all that god has done over the years and all of the the, the stuff of this land. I mean, I remember many years ago, this was just farm and swamp and all this uh, type of thing. And, and, you know, people, sometimes when you share the story, you like, it is incredible what, what God has done. And people are like, man, it's amazing what God has done over this land. But you should have seen it when God had it by himself. I mean, it was swamp, it was gorse, it was there, but as we took responsibility, come on somebody, for what God had given us, and began to steward that, I think I'll preach over here, because they're clapping, uh, I mean, when God, when, when, when we understand that we took responsibility, for what God was doing, and making available to us, and stewarded that, we were able to do it, and partner, partner with them, I heard a interview, uh, as I've mentioned, I think in one of the other sermons, uh, between T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick. And he said something that I thought was quite powerful that we can understand as relevant to this message today. He said, God never made a table. God never has made a table. He's never made a chair that we can sit on. We need chairs. He's never made a chair. God didn't go into a carpentry office and and, and 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 do that. He's never made a chair. He's never made a cha- table. He gave us a tree. God gave us a tree. And then we are responsible. We are responsible to see the potential in the tree and go, man, we need to sit. I need, to sit, I need a chair, I need a chair. And then out of that, we, we, we take responsibility and we take, God's given us the, come on somebody, God's given us the raw materials and then it's up for us to draw out of that the potential in the tree, the potential in the raw material, whatever that is or whatever that can be. We have to take responsibility for our lives. Good preaching, Adam. Thank you, everybody. It's not God's responsibility to make me happy. There are say, it's not even my wife's responsibility to make me happy. It's my responsibility to take care of my life, my mind, my thoughts, my actions, my deeds. It's my responsibility responsibility. Nobody else's. It's my responsibility to manage my home, manage my money, manage my, uh, my mind. No one else's. Yeah. See, listen, people who, who don't take responsibility for their lives usually do two things, and we've talked about it on these other two times. They usually, number one, blame others, and number two, view themselves as victims. That's what happens. They blame others, and they view themselves as victims. See what I mean? In, in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6, we find the story of Abraham's Abraham and Sarai. And if you know the story, Sarai, she, she couldn't have any children. And that was like a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal today. It's a big deal today. By the way, in the next service, we're going to be dedicating Josh and Andrea. If you remember, Josh and Andrea, he joined the police, moved down to uh, Greymouth, but they're coming up to dedicate their child back home. Amen. Hallelujah there. So that's pretty, pretty exciting. So they're going to be... Uh, be here. But 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 Abraham and Sarai, they couldn't have children. And it's a big deal. Big deal today, but way big deal back then. Because because it was like, man, no ears. No, the name doesn't continue on. This is like, like serious, serious stuff for them. And, and so she was gutted. And, and in Genesis 16, verses 1 through 6, she comes up with a plan. It says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. That's like code language for grown up stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave. She took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible. You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put, I put, I put my slave in your arms and now she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abraham says, your slave is in your hands, Abraham, Abraham said. He's a typical man. Do whatever you want. Okay, He's just like, do whatever you want, whatever you think is best. And Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Think about this. What amazes me about this story, give me some liberties here. What amazes me about this story is that it's she, Sarai, who came up with this thought. She was the one. She, she was it. Just go with me, girls. This isn't inspire her. She was the one. She was the one who came up with this thought. She's like, Abe, honey, Abe, Abe, honey, this might sound funny, but can you sleep with, can you lay with, like, remember Bible code for grown-up stuff? Can you sleep with, can you lay with my servant, Hagar? A- a- and she's like, you know, you just go do your thing and give me some offspring. Come on. She was like, yeah, give me some liberty. Uh, and, and now uh, now Abe's a man, you got to understand it. <laughs> Abes I'll just say it one more time Abe's a man. you know she's just come and say you 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 give us Hagar and Abe's a, 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 Abe's a man and he's like it sounds like a plan. It, it's like it's like if you if you if you insist, if you think that's a good idea, it'll be tough, but I will. I will do this for you, honey, if that's what. All the men, they're just quiet, but they know what's going on right here. Come on. They're they're, they're like, if you insist. I mean, what he should have been doing, he should have been saying, I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. That's what he should have been doing. And all the ladies said, amen. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But he's like, he's a man. He's like, sounds like a plan. I think it. I think this will. I, I I I think this 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 could be. This, this could work. But now, <laughs> see. And, and here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know if she was Hagar the hottie. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. But. But she quickly became Hagar the horrible, and the hated. She quickly became someone who was despised. Abraham lies with her and she gets pregnant and she starts despising Sarah. And you can imagine, it would be awkward in the kitchen. I mean, you know, it's just getting catty and stuff. And so things aren't working out how they thought. But here's the crazy thing. Thing she comes to Abraham and says, "You are responsible. You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering." What's she doing? She's playing the blame game. Abraham's like he's got that stunned possum look in the headlights, sort of. He's like, "Honey, I thought this was you know your idea, right?" And 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 remember, Sarah brought Hagar to. Him and, and she's like now the victim. She's like, uh, 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 you know, she's like, no, it hasn't worked out how I, I thought it would work out. That you you're responsible for this, and not only that, she brings God into it when she's the one who instigated the whole thing. She's like, oh, let God judge this, and He will. Now, Abraham, he's just like, well, she's in your hands. You take care of a woman. This is this is your responsibility. This is this is your thing. You set this up. You you look after this. See, we have to understand God has created us for responsibility. God has created us as people to take responsibility. In Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man right back in the beginning and put him in the garden uh, of Eden to work it. Not to relax and sunbathe and uh, chill it, but to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat. From any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so in this passage, we can see that Adam was told what to do and what not to do. What to do and what not to do. He, he, he was responsible for what? He was responsible for managing creation and caring for his wife on God's behalf, but he was irresponsible and he neglected to fulfill God's commands. You and I are created for responsibility. Good place to say amen. But then we know that as time went on, Adam ate of the fruit. We've already talked about it over the course of this and God's looking for Adam, where, where are you? And he's like, hey, I hid because I'm naked. Who told you were naked? Have you eaten from the uh, uh, the fruit of that tree? And, and Adam, remember, he plays the blame game and he says, no, no, the woman you gave me, God, it's her fault. The woman you gave me, she made me do it, basically. And then God goes to Eve and says, hey, you know, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, it's not my fault. The devil made me do it. It was him. And, and and they're playing the blame game again, the victim uh, uh, type uh, type thing, when they were meant to take responsibility. See, people try to escape responsibility. In today's world, fathers abandon their children. How sad! Only to live with regret. People quit their jobs and go, "Yeah, man, I just want to live free. I just don't, I don't want the hassles of." all of that, but they end up in bondage to poverty. Adam and Eve, think about it. Adam and Eve were the most happy and free when living responsibly. That even rhymes. There's a lot of rhyming going on here. Adam and Eve were most happy and free when they were living responsibly, when they were doing life right. That's what brought them the most freedom. Listen, success, promotion, and life comes to those who demonstrate high levels of responsibility. There'll be people in the business world here who have got promotions. I think Jevin and different other ones who have uh, moved through the ranks of different things and now leading hundreds and hundreds of people. Now, they didn't get that place because, hey, that Jevon was sitting at a table, you know, just with nothing to do and just fiddling his thumbs. And they, look, look that guy hasn't got anything to do. Let's make him a system police commissioner. Let's, because he's, no, no, it's because he's worked hard. Come on, give it up for these guys who do it. And other business people who are doing it, they've worked hard in those places. And people are going, okay, they can handle responsibility. And so we will give them more responsibility. We will give them greater responsibility. That's how business works. You think about Jesus. He he didn't choose people who were doing nothing. He chose people who were at work. They were involved in something, doing something. Sometimes in ministry, people wait around and say, I'm just waiting for God to do. No, no, start doing what you can. Being involved in what you can do. Well, I haven't found my ministry. Well, then do something until you do. Good preaching, Adam. Thank you very much. We've got to take responsibility for our life. Success promotion comes to those who demonstrate high levels of responsibility. When you're asked to do something and you, you do it, and you don't just do it half-heartedly, you do it Well. So I'm asking, are you responsible? Can you be someone who is counted on? Because here's the thing. Number two, second thing. Irresponsibility has a powerful knock-on effect. When we're irresponsible, it has a powerful knock-on effect. See, when Adam and Eve were, were irresponsible, think about the powerful effect it had. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. Everybody say, all people. What they did had a knock-on effect. It affected all people. It affects our lives even today because all have sinned because of that. Because they just, well, it's just a piece of fruit. No, but it's affected our lives today. Irresponsibility has a powerful knock-on effect. It affects everybody. Can I even say this? The battle between the descendants of Sarai and the descendants of Hagar continues to this day through Israel and Islam, the sons of Isaac and Ishmael. Thousands of years later, we are still affected by that dumb decision. Listen, when we don't take responsibility to do the dishes, to pick up the rubbish, to recycle that paper, when we're always late for everything. Come on, I'm preaching good. Someone else has to pick up the slack. Others get affected. Pastor Adam, I love you. I'm trying to help you today. (laughs) Pastor Andy Stanley said this, irresponsibility isn't an isolated thing. It eventually impacts other people. You can't just be irresponsible and say, well, it's nobody else's business. Your irresponsibility eventually becomes somebody else's business and somebody else's responsibility. Isn't that true? Even in church. Even in church. In a a church family, when we... As people don't take responsibility as as, as members of the church to, to volunteer or or, or or to give, it's hard for any church to succeed. See, what a church needs is its, its members to take responsibility. Now tap your neighbor and say, I think the preacher's talking to me. Come on, do it now. Go on, don't avoid it. Tap your neighbor and say, I think the preacher's talking to me. And then you tap your neighbor on the other side and say that your second choice and say, he's definitely talking to you. Hey, Amen, come on. See, in many churches, it's the few, and it's true. In many churches, it's the few who carry the responsibility for the many. It's the few who loyally give, serve, and help, and, and carry the spiritual house through thick and thin, while many enjoy the benefits, but without taking responsibility. And don't don't get me, I'm not talking about tithing and all that. Don't send me a letter. I'm not talking about tithing. I'm talking about a generosity of spirits. It's understanding that that, that what happens here every week when we turn up and, and we enjoy it is not happening by magic. There are people turning up here early so yeah. so they can get the place ready yeah, right. for you. There are people who faithfully sow and, and, and give of their uh, time, talent, and treasure. Why? Because they understand what it takes to make this happen. Right. You're sitting on a chair that somebody else paid for. Cleaners, repairs, power bills paid. Staff who work very, very hard. Uh, interns who, who work basically for... Can we give it up for our interns who work their guts out? Workers who are worthy of their wages. But the reality is we live in a consumeristic culture that doesn't want to take responsibility. We consume what's on offer without contributing. It was so refreshing just a few weeks ago, just in the four, someone came up to me and said, Look, I've just been in your children's area. I see the T V, the L C D in there is is really old and, and, and which it is. And uh we you know, we do with the best uh with what we have. And they said, hey, we would, lo- we would love our family to be able to buy you a brand new LED screen and just be able to make that happen. And then do you have the internet connected to that? Because we'll get a smart TV and making sure so you can get stuff from other churches and stuff to be able to uh, use with uh, it. The- I-, I would love more church members like that. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Yeah, I-, I think it's great just when they're saying. Because they understand that to when they're a part of something. That they're, they're, they're not just waiting for something to be handed down. They're a part of what God is doing and they want to contribute to 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 that. Why? Because we again when we're doing what we are doing we Again, want to build a, a good church community. We don't just want an average church community. We just don't want to. We want to build a, a, a place that that can impact people's lives, that can can turn it around. I don't know about you, but I love it when I see people getting uh, baptized and they've had an encounter uh, encounter with God. I love it when, when I hear stories of people getting saved and their lives uh, are turned around. That's why we do it. Why? Because we just don't want to do church or create an average church community. We want a good community, and that takes for all of us to do it. Our- our part can i hear a good amen on that all of us to do our part you know in the book of nehemiah the people it says willingly assume responsibility for the house of god after it fell into ruins it's and again can i say it's our responsibility to do the same for our house that we're a part of and nehemiah chapter 10 verse 32 it says we assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of God for all the duties of the house of God. Verse 35 it says we also assume responsibility. They they were taking it on themselves. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit uh, fruit tree. And it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle and of our herds and of our flocks to the house of God. Who were these people that were assuming Responsibility. Verse thirty four tells us, "We, the priests, the Levites, and the people—in other words, everybody—everybody everybody was doing their part. Because again, if we don't do our part, then someone else has to pick it up. Someone else has to uh, carry uh, carry that load. And so, maybe that's a challenge. I mean, I hadn't intended." Uh, 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 to challenge but maybe that's a challenge for us especially as this year comes to a close and we enter into a new year where where can you volunteer what team can you be a part of how can you share the load because I want to tell you there's a lot of people do uh, 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 actually not a lot of people doing a lot of work over and over again uh, to be able to bless people people say well I'm busy well everybody's busy Everybody's busy, busy, but I don't know about you, but I want to fill this place over and over and over uh, again. Why? Because people say, oh, this church is big. No, there are 51,000 people who don't know Jesus in this community, and we've got to make a difference in that place. I'm Pastor Adam, I love you. I'm trying to help you. Number three, the beauty of taking responsibility for our lives is responsibility points at me, not others. It points at me, not others. It means we don't have to wait to do something. It means we don't have to wait and just go, man, when will that happen? Or when will God do that? Or, or, or say, when's the government gonna do this or the government gonna do that? No, when we take responsibility for our lives, we just say, we're gonna sit up, we're gonna stand up and we're gonna get this done. We're gonna make uh, this happen. We're not it waiting or putting it off for anybody else to do. The worship team can come. I'm not waiting for others to do something or fix something. No, we're getting on and we're doing it ourselves. We're taking responsibility and control of our life. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. The only person, I will say it again, you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Who do you want to be? What's that person? What do you feel God's heart is for you? Well, you... Are the person who's going to make the decisions. You are the person. No one else can do it for you. Like I said, no one else can go to the gym for you. No one else can read or study for you. You have to do it. You have to take responsibility for your life. Robert Shuler, the motivational preacher, he says, if it's going to be, it's up to me. If it's going to be, It's up to me. It's up to you and me to make the difference for our lives. Dennis Waitley said this, there are two primary choices in life. To accept the conditions as they exist or accept the responsibility for changing them. What are you going to do? What type of person are you going to be? How do you measure up when it comes to taking control of your life? I always like this quote and I've said it a few times over the years but I think it's true. It says there are three types of people in the world. Those who make stuff happen. Those who watch stuff happen. Three, those who wonder what what happened, what happened? I missed it. I didn't catch it. What happened? Don't be two or three. Be someone who makes stuff happen. Take control of your life. Don't wait from uh, for from some outside source to to to, to fix it. You. Take control. If, if if God's got a promise in His Word, then you take hold of it for yourself and claim it. If you're saying, "Well, I need God to do this," well, then you lay hold of it in prayer. You grab hold of it and believe God to do. It. Don't wait for pastor to pray. Don't wait for, for somebody else to do something or some or some outside. Remember, it starts from the it starts from the inside out. It's a, it's an inside job. I know people have waited their whole life waiting for something to happen. Now it's, oh, if I can just win lotto, if I can just do this, if I I can just make this happen, and they wait a very long time. Take control of your life. Quit the blame game. Stop being a victim. My choice I mean we all do we all have that I think we're, we're, we, we sort of think that way sometimes just, just, just determine I'm going to take control of my life because I can't help what happens to me but I can help how I respond to that yes. let's take control of our lives let's lead our community and make a difference can I hear a good amen on that every head bowed every eye closed just before we bring the service to a close one of the best ways I think to start taking control of our lives is by understanding who is our king by giving ourselves over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and His Word. His Word is like a manual. It's a light unto our feet and a light uh, unto our path. And so it's a manual that teaches us how to live and we have to respond to that. But maybe you're here today and you've been coming to church for a while, but you've never really given your life to Christ. Well, today I'm gonna give you an opportunity in a few moments, I'm gonna pray a prayer and if You're here today and you know you need to get right with God. You know you need to get right. You've been living a life that, man, I just, I can sense it even right now. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I need to get right with God. And so in these moments right now, you can feel the Spirit of God. The Bible even says He knocks on the door of our heart. And if we would open the door of our heart, He will come in. So if you're saying, look, I I know I need to get right with God here today, but my life's not good enough yet, and I I need to sort this out. My friend, here's the the wonder of the gospel. It's not about how, how bad you are. It's about how good God is. It's what He has made available to you. He's died on a cross that you might know. And the Bible says, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You can know that freedom, not because of what you do, but because of what He has done.